welcome to episode 57 of Sequel Pitch, a podcast in which friends come up with sequels to movies that don't already have them and then battle it out to become the host's favourite. Today, I will be playing the role of the RDA, and I will be taking all the sequels and pitching my own Uber sequel to James Cameron myself. Oh, and I'm going to kill everyone on this podcast as well. Um, joining me is a man that, much like the Navi, loves sticking their tails, well, their, their hair in lots of different things, like sockets, keyholes, animals. It's Andy Henry. Oh, you give me a hole, I'll stick it in. You just tempt me. <laughs> oh, no. Starters, we mean to go on. Indeed. Here we go. And with him finally back after his trip off world is a man much like the home tree has a vast knowledge of bullshitting <laughs> It's Drew Toynbee. Hello there. It is really good to be back. And with the lads, we have a special guest. He is host of Sivaka Road to Avatar and a UK film writer. It's Sean Alexander. How hey. are you, Sean? Hello. Thank you for having me. Hey. Welcome. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. I'm busy, as you can imagine. Yeah. Podcasting. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, in case you hadn't realised... We are heading to the world of Pandora and reviewing and pitching Avatar. In case you haven't seen it, we do a 60-second synopsis. So, here we go. When his brother is killed in a robbery, paraplegic Marine Jake Sully decides to take his place in a mission on a distant world of Pandora. He then learns of greedy corporate figurehead Parker Selfridge's uh, intentions of driving off the na native humanoid Navi in order to mine the precious material scattered through their rich woodland. It's called... Unobtainium. <laughs> In exchange for the spinal surgery that will fix his legs, Jake gathers knowledge and of the indigenous race of their culture. For cooperating, for the cooperating military unit spearheaded by Gung Ho Colonel Quaritch. 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 Sorry, I'm really bad. Uh, while simultaneously attempting to infiltrate the Navi people with the use of an avatar identity. While Jake begins to bond with the native tribe, and quickly he falls in love with the beautiful alien Neytiri, Neytiri. Uh, the restless colonel moves forward with his ruthless extermination tactics, forcing the soldiers uh, to take a stand, and, and the Navi as well, and fight back in an epic battle for the fate of Pandora. Yeah, I got there in the end. Um, <laughs> oh, God, fucking hell. I've, I haven't hosted in a bit. I mean, I've hosted literally three, two episodes ago. But anyway, <clears throat> what did we think of this movie let's go with i think who's going to be the wealth of uh film knowledge in this department sean what did you think oh. of avatar not the last airbender <laughs> well it, it might come as no surprise but i kind of enjoy avatar uh, i wouldn't make a entire podcast based on it if i didn't at least enjoy it a little bit uh, well, actually, no, to be fair, you do get podcasts of people who just literally <laughs> want to shit on movies yeah. the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, Most of our <laughs> podcasts are like that. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not a multi-episode podcast shitting on the same movie repeatedly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. although that could be fun. Yeah. Uh, 130 episodes of just shitting on the same movie for... <laughs> Anyway, yes, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm... It's one of those ones that the more I've been watching it and the more I've been, like figuring out details of it i've been loving it more and more i think there's a lot of 
stuff that you can enjoy just on a surface level. The action, I think the environments and the 3D are fantastic, but also think that there's a lot stuff deeper to it, which I think I think James Cameron's like an expert, just like putting a little bit extra in there for everyone to enjoy. Nice. Uh, Drew, surface level thoughts? What did you think of this movie? I th- This movie is very special to me. I It came out at the height of my kind of obsession with behind the scenes and the the art of making movies and this was such yeah. a big deal in that in that arena with the the with the performance capture and and the and the the leaps forward that they made in in that so I was excited for it before it came out and it was just incredible and no movie has matched its use of 3D for me and I I was I was lucky enough to go on Sivako with Sean a few weeks ago to talk about it and so I if you want to hear more of my detailed thoughts I I say a lot of them there but the shortest version that I can give is I really like it and I think it gets way too much of a bad rap and I think it's got a good message and good performances it looks amazing it's rockets along and there we go Andy, what did you think? Do you agree? Well, I'm here to give it a bad rap. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to take the corner, and I, I, I do feel it's kind of overhyped, uh, and not the same movie in the cinema as you watch at home. And if you strip away the not, you know, absolute lovely CGI and backgrounds and all that lot, and if you actually focus on the story, it's lacking a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a good, that's good, because now Sean and Drew can now just be like, <laughs> no, you must love this. Um, yeah, I, uh, like, watching it again and having, having watched it this time, I don't know, like, I don't know, there is that element of the the magic of the time when it came out it was very, it was very forefront in 3D, and I watched it in the cinema, and I was like, wow, this is so fucking cool. Like, mm. this is a 3D movie and you, all you have to wear is these glasses. Like, in terms of... I know that's normal what you do. <laughs> but, like, but as in, like... You, you never seen, like, 3D... I think the 3D element of that was really good and, like, really brought you into <laughs> the world of Pandora. So I feel that mm. there is an element of that that is lost when you're just watching it in standard. But... You know, James Cameron's created this fucking massive world. It is very much, you know, I'm a massive fan of D&D and like fantasy and creating those worlds. And he created this like world from scratch and you're really invested in in the world itself. I agree with Andy in some aspects of the story. Um, It's sort of just, uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's so predictable and there's... If you kind of I like just look at like say just the character development or anything like that, or even like Jake's actual like turn, you know, and he goes against his like human race, and I just don't see any spark between him and uh, and Natiri. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I think they have incredible chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like one I, of the strong elements, and I think it kind of their chemistry is why it's believable he makes that turn as well like the way she brings him into this world yeah 
I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're bad actors. Uh, uh, Zoe. Uh, uh, what's her name? Zoe. Ooh. I did. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I heard you, Andy. Try again. Uh, what Zoe? What's the what's the actress's name? Zoe. What's the what's the actress's Sub name? Man. That's the one. And uh, cheap Chris Pratt. They do fine jobs. Well, no, actually, uh, cheap Chris Pratt. I don't think does does a, uh, an amazing job. Um, Saldana. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's yeah. I don't know. For me, anyway, I just don't <laughs> see any of that. There we go. That, that, yeah. That, that that spark or anything. Cheap Chris Pratt. <laughs> Cheap Chris Pratt. <laughs> we're we're totally losing you, mate. Ah. Can you hear me now? Can you see me? Uh, can you hear me? Oh no! Um. <laughs> Andy, we're losing yeah. you. Um, you're sounding very ro robotic. Um, oh, uh, are you back? Uh, yeah. Oh wait. Oh, oh, there he no, goes. No, he's gone. <laughs> uh, okay. If I'm, I'm just gonna chuck it out there. If that happens again, I think we, like, we can't, we can't. Yeah, it's gonna be a can't. nightmare for you editing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. Right, can you, I, can you, what I decided, it probably sounds fine. Like hey. the recording will be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah. It sounds, it sounds fine on mine, except for that massive delay that we just had, but. Okay, let's go again. So, mm -hmm. um, you said that. Well, Andy, what did you say in regards uh, to I was saying the characters? There's, there's no. I, I just don't see any spark between the characters or the romance. Um, um, yeah, I think if you just strip away all the big CGI, it's it's a kind of a, a very average movie. Yeah, I like you. I mean, you did. Uh, for the listeners, you're not going to hear this, but in the in the in the bit where we lost Andy, because he uh, uh, look, let's. What did you call? What did you call um, Sam Worthington? A cheap Chris Pratt. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... when he had his beard, I was a bit like, oh yeah, he looks like Star Lord. Then he took it off again. I was like, oh yeah, that's why. That's... <laughs> oh. I think yeah, Sam Worthington uh, at that time was hot shit in terms in in Hollywood. He was in like mm. he was in Terminator as well. Um, I mean, and some it, other ones. It was basically just this and Terminator, and he kind of. I I I have no real recollection of him being in other stuff other than. And this was pre-Avatar in um, Rogue, the Australian kind of indie black mm. comedy crocodile movie, which is actually quite oh, wow. good. Um, okay. But yeah, I I mean, it, obviously this is it's all subjective, and if if their chemistry didn't work for you, that's that's mm. fine. Um, <clears throat> I I totally disagree. I I I think that his journey from cynical 
cynical corporate yes man who's in it for himself to person who's like oh no mate like having this avatar body is pretty rad oh there goes my camera now fantastic um and then on to actually not just having legs back in this super cool alien body is rad but actually these people are pretty cool and maybe maybe i'm not one of the good guys i i I think that's great and his betrayal and zoe soldana's reaction to that and i i just uh, another thing that sean and i spoke about was how james cameron doesn't have a cynical bone in his body like it's this movie is just trying to be exactly what it shows you there's there's no hidden deeper message it's very obvious what the message of this film is (laughs) but i think it's stronger for that personally i i don't think that's a problem do you have a problem that it's basically uh was it fern gully and uh pocahontas no just a bigger cgi (laughs) i've got a Break my glass in rage. The amount I hear. <laughs> Fern Gully, Dances with Wolves, Pocahontas. Yeah. What, what dances, else should I add to that? Dances with Smurfs. Yeah, Dances with Smurfs. <laughs> yes, we get it. Look. And this is the thing. He's admitted it. He's openly said, hey, look, I took these stories, these stories that you know of, you know, someone coming and integrating into a indigenous society because I want to make the story simple so that I can put other messages in it that will get forward to people you know like these environmental messages and things like that and it works mm. hey look the story is simple i will not lie it is as simple as you can get really <laughs> but that's yeah. a good thing in a way it means and i think as well like this is obviously leading up to the sequels but it means the sequels have a lot less to do in terms of like the, the groundwork now he's already set up all the pla- the pieces and now he can have a good time with them mm. What do you think, like, Sean, do you think, like, it had a massive impact on cinema, I guess, at that at the time that it came out and then the years after it? Because, you know, it's not been beaten in terms of, like, it's grossing box office revenue and stuff. Like, what do you, what do you think its impact had on cinema itself? I think it's this is another conversation that comes up all the time it's about like the cultural impact of avatar and yeah. I, I it's so interesting to me because the cultural impact of avatar is that everything it's had to, to do with like the technology that a lot of these other films use uh the marvel cinematic universe is obviously the biggest thing that's happened since avatar you know at the time avatar released iron man was the only thing that was out at that point and i think incredible mm. hulk yeah. And you look in that time scale, Marvel have made what 20 odd plus movies plus the TV shows now. But they use a lot of that technology, <laughs> like the motion capture stuff, and yeah. immersing you into these other worlds. You know, things like Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't think happened without Avatar succeeding the way it did. Yeah. Drew, do you agree? Yeah, I do. I think it, it, <clears throat> aside, there was Lord of the Rings, and then. In terms of huge spectacle movies that captured the world's imagination, Avatar was the next one. And it smashed all the records and it just cemented the fact that big populist, straightforward action cinema was the way people wanted to go. 
and I I think yeah I don't think we would I I don't think that landscape of cinema for the last decade would have been anything like it has been had Avatar not been so wildly successful. Now, obviously, we don't like we're we're doing this episode in in the upcoming, you know, the release of the new the new one, the way of the water, or the way of the way of the water, the way of yeah. water, yeah, way of water. <clears throat> sorry, again, I've done my research. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think? That James Cameron has, because it's been so such a long time since the first one. Do you think? Do you think people are still interested, Andy? Do you are you interested in the sequel? Um, and the, I, well, the several I, other ones that are coming yeah, after it. Yeah, the nineteen that he's apparently planning. <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't, but I wa- I'm not now, but I wasn't when I first saw it as well. To be honest, my like my <laughs> my, but like um, I like. I might go see it, but it, it depends like what the story is because I I do agree with Sean. I guess like in the in this in the sequel, he could open up so many so many more avenues and stuff like that, and rather than have it as keep the yeah, just keep the idea of it being a simple story, simple characters that we don't really need to like get deep into. We can just have a really nice exploratory world. That would be that'd be good, and that'd be worth seeing. Um, but I mean, I think. The hype is kind of gone. I think when people, well, I keep. I think when people, when you mention it, everyone's like, "Yeah, sweet." Until I, until we see the trailer, that's you know, I think that's the obvious kind of tell sign. But my my money would be the it it may it, it it's dwindling dwindling a little bit. Sean, what do you think? Do you think he James Cameron's got a lot to like a, a big a big gap to fill like with the with the original? It's like the hardest job, right? Like, how do yeah. you try and get, you know, how do you try and make a sequel to the largest performing movie of all time? It's a question no one wants to really have to do. Because <laughs> he's already done it once before. He's already made the the biggest movie in the world again. After he did yeah. Titanic, he did Avatar. So he's proved, if anyone's going to do, you know, be able to show that he it's possible, it's him. And there was a, what, a 12-year gap between the two last time? Something like that. So it's not like, and I get, I think this is sort of like a sign of like the times and the industry as a whole right now is that we're so used to seeing like the three Marvel movies a year that the fact that we've had 13 year gaps now feels like as long as it was for like, say, Top Gun and that sequel to (laughs) come out, it feels almost the same amount of time because we're so used to the Marvel content coming out so, so frequently (laughs) And it'll be interesting to see whether it yeah does kind of capture audiences. I think the film industry thinks it will because they just clean the slate. They will just like no it one wants Cameron, to compete. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think yeah. that the 3D element will bring 3D oh. back? Because you know 3D is relative. I mean my my 3D TV is collecting dust in the hallway at the moment. Um, I bought one when it came out. Um, do you yeah. think he he is looking to reignite the the popularity of when it came out with 3D? Drew? Yeah, def yeah. I I don't know. I think I mean 3D is still a thing. Like most most big movies that come out, you can choose to go and watch it in 3D. Yeah. I I think that But I think that's uh it's always it's a it's an add-on if you know what I mean. This yeah. is 
I assume yeah, this, this has been be made, made for 3D. For yeah. 3D and seen and probably in those, cinema, um, seen it in IMAX. Those are like 4K, yeah, IMAX screens there where like, you know, the yeah. seats move and the, the screens are a little bit around the walls and stuff. He's like, I bet he's going to put all that in as well. Like, it will definitely be like an experience, I think. I think he'd go for the 3D because, again, you don't want to see this not 3D. If, we, if we're going to go like into water, then, yeah, we want to feel like we're like underwater. I do. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. And, and I I think I I think watching it, watching the new movie in 3d will be the way to watch it but mm. i don't think he has i don't think james cameron has designs on making 3d be the only way that you watch movies yeah um but it's so yeah i it, it i i think it it's it might be fair to say that it's a good demonstration that the use the, the 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 use case for 3D is primarily for bringing you into an unfamiliar world and making it feel more immersive and we don't need that for the majority of films because they're just set in our world and so yeah. i if if more big movie if one of the future star wars movies they're like yeah we've 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 taken jim cameron's you know, we bought Fox, so we've got the inside track on all of his tech, and we're yeah. doing it for the next Star Wars movie. I would watch it in 3D, but it's I if if any filmmaker says we've made this film specifically for 3D, not in the things are going to jump out of the screen towards your face, Final Destination <laughs> style, but in the we want it, we want to Immersive. follow in Jim Cameron's footsteps, yeah. then I would watch it in 3D. But I don't think. I don't think that huge fad is going to come back because it was so novel with Avatar and it's people are just used to it now and they're used to it and not doing it anymore. Okay. Um, that's enough about the sequel, obviously, because we'll get on to those. <laughs> um, what are your favourite bits, Sean, in this movie? What makes what What made you specifically make uh, a podcast about it um, that you love so much. Like, what are your favourite things about this movie? So, the the one element that I love is the way in which uh, it's it's this moment where Jake is like first being like introduced into the world by Natiri. Like, he's like walking around, and he gets basically the the wood sprites, the little seeds yeah. fall and land on him. And the way that that sort of moment is really obviously it's got like religious connotations all over the place, you know, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> big main character energy there. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a beautiful moment because it's this sort of connection back to nature. And I think, you know, a lot of the people I talked to on the podcast have mentioned, yeah, like this film made me want to reconnect with nature in a way that nothing else has. And I think that's kind of James Cameron's kind of aim as well. He wants people to feel more connected to the world we live in and realize, yeah, like we, this is our Pandora, you know, you can do, you can yeah. enjoy it just as much as Jake does. Drew? Um, the, like the entire movie from uh, the attack on a home tree through the the ginormous battle at the end I think is great, although I I I would basically have to say any time um, Stephen Lang is on screen thinking about yeah. it, mm. like watching <laughs> it again yesterday, he's just so 
good. He is so so good as as the villain in this. And yeah, he's how old is he? I mean, when he made in, in the this film at that point, like yeah. he's well like, well into his fifties at least. Grandpa General fucking jacked. <laughs> like, yeah, I love. He's got like the three scratches or something from like a monster. He's like, I keep them there to like remind me how bad outside is. And he's like, you don't need that because you. You can look outside. You've been there long enough. You don't need that. Just, you don't even need to explain it. Just be like, look how cool this is. Yeah. All right, see you later. But he's, <laughs> he's that That's cool. A, like, I, I, I forgot that James Cameron actually wrote this as well because it's a bit clunky and it's very kind of exposition-y sometimes. And it's uh, like, rather, if you need to explain something, you just explain it rather than kind of like kind of nicely weaving it into like the dialogue or, or, or anything like that. It's just like... Exposition drop. What's that? Exposition. What's that? Exposition. Okay. Okay. But uh, again, Andy. maybe in the sequel we can move on. Mm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Andy, what did you like about the movie? Um. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> it was. I like I'm, trying to, now, I'm to... trying to think of an actual. Oh, uh, uh, what uh, did I like about yeah, this? What did I like? Um. I liked the. I'm trying to think of an actual like standout <laughs> scene that I'd probably like. Literally hate was, the movie was, so much. No, like, it was, it was all it was all it. right. It was all right. The thing is, I watched it on like my average 32 inch screen, so I lost a lot of like the nice background and stuff like that. In fact, like uh, some of it was like in that in canny that uncanny valley sense. So it was a bit weird. Um, so that's I think that's probably why I picked up on more than yeah. more on the story. Um, but. Probably actually like Jake's first ride, I guess that that's that that, that was good because I actually remember seeing that in the cinema and I was like, that's like well shot and it actually does give you the motion like you're you're flying and it's it's done well. I do feel kind of like sad because I feel like the creatures don't exactly agree. They agree by attacking you, and that doesn't really mean they agree. That just means they want to kill you, <laughs> and then you shove your like tail into their tail, and they're like, right. I'm in your brain now. And they're like, well, I've got no choice. I was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> it's all a commentary on how any any sentient being will ultimately mm. subjugate and rape the natural yeah. world. Oh, and when he got like the giant orange one at the end, I was obviously like, when he went like, I, I forgot that was in the film, but obviously when it first like was introduced, I was like, oh yeah, come back in that fucking three hours time and it will, uh, it will <laughs> be fucking riding it. It is a long movie. <laughs> it's a long movie. I think they honestly could have lost it like, is. like oh, maybe about uh, at least 20 minutes. I don't know what yet, but like they could have probably done that and still kept it. But then you haven't got like the, the you know, Sam Worthington uh, as his Navi uh, avatar falling down, waking up, falling <laughs> down again, and then waking up again. Um, and then going in various different machines all the time. Oh, we need to move yeah. to... Move the machine. Go into I'll go the forest. There. When they get jacked um, into the matrix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Like, we'll, we'll sum up in a second. I just want to see if Drew has any things that he doesn't or is... And Sean as well. Because uh, we've heard from Andy about what he hates about this movie. <laughs> um, but, Drew, is there anything you don't like that wouldn't score it a perfect five for you if you were going to score it a five? <laughs> oh, he might give it a perfect. I, I don't. My I, God. I can't think of anything in this movie. That My score's I don't going like. to bring the average so far down. Well, that's just. I'm going to give it a six then. Screw you. 
Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, Sean, do you have anything that you dislike or I'm like, oh, this this is the thing that doesn't make it a perfect movie for me. I, I, I'm going to say no, probably. This is this is odd. I think it's like, it's a thing that during the time, obviously, like, it wouldn't have been talked about as much. But I think it's the fact that obviously Sam Worthington's play like a, a disabled character. And I feel like mm. this is the kind of movie where it's perfect. You could have, you know, Sam Worthington at the time wasn't a big name when he got cast in Avatar. You could yeah. have cast a disabled uh, actor to play Jake Sully and then had to, you know, stunt double for in the Navi body. And it would have worked just as yeah. well, I think. That's, mm. that's my yeah. only possible gripe. Yeah, fair, fair representation for... Uh, those ape, those able-bodied, able, you know, able, not able-bodied. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. One of my one of my biggest disappointments, and it was like I guess the biggest because it's a very imaginative film and very creative. But didn't you think like the animals were so non-creative? Like he was, they were basically riding around on a horse. That also that horse barked like a velociraptor. Did anyone notice that? It sounded exactly like it. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But it, it was basically make, a horse, and then like the, the same things, like yeah, the things that were chasing them at nights were just like dogs, or like I've seen it in other things. And then we had like a a hammerhead shark mixed with like a rhino, and I was just like a bit like even the dragons. I was like, I feel like I've seen these kind of before. All the animals were just a bit like meh. Fair, yeah, fair, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Andy hates anything that's not <laughs> trying to bring it down it. more. Yeah. <laughs> Come at me, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to fight Jim Cameron, honestly. No. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. not. No. All right, all right, cool. We've talked about the movie enough, I think. Let's go to our scores, I think. Um, Drew, let's go. Uh, actually, let's go with Andy. Let's go with Andy to bring the the oh, measuring no. stick uh, to this okay. movie. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's all right. I'm still going to recommend it. I still at the end of it because they are so cat-like as well, which is quite interesting. Because I like, I did like the emotions they have a lot with their tails and ears and stuff like that. And at the end, I did, I was a bit like, well, it is better than cats, so I, I'll give it that. <laughs> but I'm gonna give it, uh, oh, it's gonna be, isn't three point five, um, blue man groups. <laughs> Can't think of anything from the film now. <laughs> um. Three, three out of five, yeah? Three out of five, yeah. Okay. Andy's giving it three out of five, so that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's still it's still a recommendation, but it's just I think it's just yeah. a little overhyped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Drew, what did you think? I am, I am going to give it five exhilarating Ikran flights out of five. I... There is, there's nothing that I would that takes the score down for me. I, I'm glad that you worded it like that, Ross, because I, I, there's part of me that would have said 4.5 or 4.75, but actually, there's nothing about this movie I would change. So it's nice. got to be a five. Nice, Sean. I mean, it's, I've got to give it a five. I'm not allowed to not. Um, I'll give it five uh, hole-in-ones from Parker Selfridge on his little mini-puck course. Oh, yeah. hey. oh, wait. What's that barreling oh. out of the jungle towards me? It's Matt on one of those rhino things that Andy hates so much. God. What did you think, 
uh, Matt, of the movie. And also, what is your score? Hello, everybody. That's one way of making entrance, isn't it? So, what to say about Avatar? First of all, it is a visual masterpiece. Uh, Cameron, something like it took 200 years to make it, it feels like. But considering it was released in like 2009, it is still hands down one of the most amazing visual masterpieces you can watch. Like, movies today can't even compete with it. It's up there with the end games, it's up there with the most incredible visual effects. So, absolute kudos to the team there for me like there's definitely a message that humans are just the worst which is quite relevant to today's society with uh the world basically burning around us but i don't know tonally it just feels a little bit cliche at times um despite one of sam worthington's best performances his character like i just I don't care enough about him compared to the Na'vi, the natives, because basically Cameron just tells us that humans are just the worst the whole time. He might not be wrong, but he definitely hammers the point home. And then, you know, you, you kind of... We, we've seen as well this, this idea of kind of military might versus scientific advancement. You know, that isn't new, absolutely not. Star Trek have been doing it since forever. But you've got to give credit to Cameron. Like It's certainly a new way of taking it on. And there's a lot of heart. There is a lot of uh, emotion in the movie, but it doesn't come really from any of the humans, apart from, you know, Sigourney Weaver does pretty well. But mm, is it enough? Not really. But no, it is. It's enough. It's It's a great movie. It is a great movie. I can't I can't take that away. There are there are problems with it. So like whilst whilst it's not a faultless movie, there's just so much to love and if you just want to enjoy it for visual, turn the audio off, don't listen to the story, just watch it because it is so beautiful. I can't hammer home enough just how amazing visually this movie is. Uh, I mean, there's so much to love about it. Anyway, there's there's a reason that it was, like, until Endgame, at least, was the highest-grossing movie of all time. And if you have, for whatever reason, lived under the rock for the last 13 years since this was released, I'm going to absolutely recommend you watch it. Just try and forgive James Cameron's apparent hatred of humans. So, my score... It isn't perfect, so I have to take that into account. Can't help feeling like I'm a bad person for being a human being at the end of it. But 4.15 cliche human character flaws out of 5. Please go watch it. Please enjoy it. It is long, so please get comfortable. But yeah, amazing film. Bye everybody, I'm going to ride off into the sunset on my thing. Bye! So, Matt gave One it... Thank, oh, thanks, Matt. If you could just repair that massive hole that you've made in the side <laughs> of my house, that'd be great. Um, uh, so, uh, enjoy finding some sound effects there, Drew. Oh, fucking um, So, <laughs> Matt gave it 4.15. Um, that's good. Okay, so, for me, I think I'm going to give it 4... 
uh, inserting your hair into various things out of five. Um, for me, the spectacle and the world that James Cram Cameron's created is is phenomenal like and i have to give it the props of when it came out as well even though i'm watching it now and there are certain like the story is quite basic and like it's the bad guy bad guys coming into these like this this tribe who are uh good and then they come and fuck everything up um sam worthington isn't as great as i'd like him to be like he could have done a bit better acting wise but then he is a CGI entire character, so all he's got <laughs> is his voice, really, and you know his act. But yeah, I think four, four for me, four out of five for me, um, which gives us Drew. Do you know what I, it gives us an average of? I do an average from the five of us of four point two three. Uh, so our closest analog, there was a four point four six, four point three. Ah. Oh. <laughs> 4.19, the closest score that we have for this movie is Step Brothers. Step Brothers and <laughs> A Star is Born. So we put it on the same level as Step Brothers and A Star is Born. Okay. <laughs> Do you agree with that, Sean? Ah, yeah. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Right. I should point out as well, like when I saw this in the cinema, I did not have a good spot for the 3D. I was sat in like the third row, like the first seat on the third row. So oh, I was like, no. well, this has just ruined <laughs> my experience I mean, already. This is like terrible. barely counts then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took the glasses off after a while. I was like, there's no point, is there? It looks better without. So. <laughs> just blurry. <laughs> um, okay. I think it's that time to get your sequels pitched. Yeah. So the rules are normal as ever. If there are any rules, there isn't really, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are going to pitch, Sean, your sequels to Avatar. Um, and we may have some questions. He may have some questions for you. Um, yeah. So let's go with the person that's got the worst connection. And that is Andy. Um, so, Andy, if it drops out, just keep going. And mm -hmm. then we'll just make up some questions at the end. Roll back. All right, Andy. Here we go. What is your title to the sequel of Avatar? My... Titles for you, because I bring a lot. I bring some options. You can choose. Uh, I got Avatar Two. I'm Blue Abadi Abadai. Uh, Avatar Two Funobtainium. Uh, Avatar Two Make Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. Uh, or Avatar Two Matrix Reloaded, because yeah, it's a bit like the Matrix when they wreck. Nice. Okay. And what's your little blurb? Uh, when humans return to fuck things up, Jake and a warring tribe are brought into a war that happened centuries ago. Go for it. Mm. All right, so we start on Earth uh, six to eight years after the first film, and we learn the a, uh, the RDA uh, is going to send more troops to Pandora for like another or their final attack, uh, with the intentions of killing all the Na'vi and moving civilization over there. Um, the new invasion is led by General Thomas, a uh, big fucking Owen Ike. Oh, I really want Arnie. I don't know why. I can't get Arnie, but I'm thinking Arnie. Um, uh, and he was actually Jake's commanding officer when he was in the Marines. <laughs> uh, so Jake uh, and Natiri have uh, a child uh, and they're having fun or they're teaching it a lesson. They could be like, uh, you know, he's the child's running away from a monster and stuff. And then it turns out, oh, it's just training or something, you know. Um, 
Uh, and he reveal he re- reveals he's getting discriminated by all the other Navi children because he's actually like still he's got like one percent uh, human DNA in him. Uh, so he's getting picked on. Uh, the other side of like Pandora or on a separate part, Thomas uh, and his crew and his army crew, they land and they now have much smaller mech suits. Uh, if you think like, uh, you know, like the first Iron Man when uh, it was silver before he painted it. Think that, but like a cheaper version. But they're like twice the power, twice as strong, but half the size. Uh, he meets, uh, Thomas meets uh, Copa from the Nuba tribe, a tribe that didn't join uh Jake's call to arms in the last film. Uh, they've actually got like a problem with the Na'vi and they've separated themselves. They worship another god called Neve, uh, and it's the twin god to Ewa. Uh, Ewa, yeah. Um, uh, and the like, little backstory is Neve was jealous and angry about how like divined and loved Ewa was, so he tried to destroy Ewa and everything she loved. Uh, but Ewa won a century-long battle and cursed Neve to live underneath Pandora for eternity. Um, but the followers of Neve uh, still believe in his teachings and believe one day he will return and take revenge on all who trapped him. Um, I want them all to be uh, like a different skin color as well. I'm not too sure why, um, uh, but like maybe like or maybe like maybe like they've got makeup, but it's like staining their skin, so they're not blue. Basically, they're another color. Um, Thomas says no. that he wants to basically hunt down the naive. Uh, and the and Copa and his tribe uh, agree to join them so they can like kind of rule Pandora as one. Um, and then they they kind of both both as they turn away or they're like, oh yeah, we'll betray the other ones when we've uh, when we've won, we'll kill each, you know, we'll kill them all. So they're plot they're plotting against everyone. Uh, Jake and uh, his family get a vision from Awar about this new upcoming war, uh, and um, tells them to walk into the uh, walks deep into the forest and to get a new power source which will help them defeat their enemies. Uh, Neve shows Copa a similar vision to Awar's, but it's not as clear and it's different slightly. Uh, Copa and Thomas then leave to also find the power source, knowing it could help them take over Pandora. And Thomas was a bit like, oh, I don't know what it is yet, but I could probably either mine it or sell it. Um, on their journey, Jake and... Um, um, what's their name? Terry. Nateri, that's it. Nateri and the kid. I haven't named the kid. I was going to call it kid. Um, they and Copa basically get visions from their gods, uh, from both their gods about the war that they had between them, but it's showing like two different sides. Um, they show them way, they show them ways to like parts of Pandora that's not yet explored, um, as well as like relics from the past. And we learn more about Pandora, the gods, this war and the characters, uh, and they obviously kind of fight a few monsters in between. Uh, Jake and Natiri then find, um, what they believe is this power source. They've been guided there by the gods. Um, uh, it's called like the heart of Pandora, I think. Uh, and they meet and then fight Thomas and Copa. Um, Thomas, uh, this is where like Thomas reveals that he, he had Jake's brother killed, uh, just to build a bit of tension. I haven't come up with a reason yet, but don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> uh, they fight, uh, but like, cause the mech suit is so strong and, uh, uh and, uh, Copa is like strong as a warrior as well. Jake Natiri and the kid nearly die, but Pandora literally like saves them. Like I'm thinking like a giant leaf, giant three giant leaves come down and like cocoon them and then just drag them up. Uh, so Copa and Thomas is just left with this heart of heart of Pandora. Uh, and Copa says like he had a vision or something that he, that they need to put it into the tree of life to unleash it, unleash its power. Uh, so they, they, they go to try and invade the, the naive. Naive? Um, 
So Jake and his family are being uh, held in like status by these giant leaf cocoons uh, and Jake is shown a vision, but it's a different vision to the ones he's seen before. It's like a different style and color. Uh, it shows that their world ending and him and his family starting a new one. Jake like just rejects this vision uh, and kind of like almost breaks out uh, and then Neve reveals himself because it's his vision that he's trying to show. Uh, and he's like, basically, this world is going to end and I want you to start the new one. And Jake's like, no, I don't want to do this. Let's try and save it. Neve then like says um, he wishes he could speak to Aware again and apologize for everything they did in the past. And he just wants to be with her again. And Jake kind of convinced Neve uh, to says if he can help his family, uh, they can save Pandora. Uh, Neve kind of goes like, oh, OK. And then Jake uh, and his family like open their eyes and they're fully healed. And they're basically like near their camp uh, and they can hear the fighting that Thomas and Copa and his tribe are bringing. Uh, so Thomas take, takes the heart and he inserts it into the tree of life. But nothing happens. Uh, he thinks like Copa is lying about something and they start to fight each other and the Naivi. Uh, and uh, uh, so everyone's like fighting everyone. And at one point, like Copa is thrown into the bushes by Thomas. And this is where he sees Jake. Jake speaks to him and stuff. And they both like connect arms or, you know, connect shoulders like they kind of do in the first one. And they're both shown the same vision of Awa and Neve meeting each other. Awa forgiving uh, Neve uh, and showing Jake and Copa that the true power source is them coming together. Uh, so they decide to team up and basically kill all the humans, uh, leading to a big battle uh, where along the way, like, I'm just, again, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm just bringing you the pitch, not the script, but the kids, <laughs> the kid uh, saves all the other children um, and then earns their, uh, earns his respect and stuff. So they don't say stop like picking on him and stuff. Um, and then at the end, everyone learns to live together, no matter um, how different they are or what they believe. Very good. <clears throat> Take the heart of Tafiti. Cool. Sean, do you have any questions for Andy? Uh, yeah. So, first of all, the main question is, who who's doing the, mm. the theme song? Because we got Leona Lewis last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoever like won the X Factor or the voice this year, probably. <laughs> That's still going. Yeah. <sighs> I've got to hope not, but it's going to be them. If not, then let's get some, like, Slipknot or something. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Any other questions, um, Sean? So you, you obviously mentioned you'd love Arnold. Let's say you get Arnold for your, for your, uh, yep. for your commander. Yep. Yep. What's his, you know, obviously he needs a moment to, to match Quaritch, which is, like, epicness. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to bring? It's going to be... It's going to be when Jake and uh, Copa come out of the bushes <laughs> and they're like, hey, now we're friends. And they take on him like two on uh, two on one and stuff. And maybe he can kind of like fly out of his mech sometimes and just hit him normally and then fly back in. So we're going to have a two on one fight. But he like holds his own because he's in his awesome Iron Man mech. Mm. I'm, I'm assuming his mech has some like additional Arnold based features. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a Turbo yeah. Mandal. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a sticker on the side of his arm or something. Yeah, it's a Turbo Man. <laughs> I'm just imagining Arnold in a mech suit now, but the shape of it is round his muscles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has to have Yeah, a it's actually not a mech one. suit. It's just like, it's just tinfoil basically <laughs> around him. He's just, he doesn't need it, so. Is that everything, Sean? Mm. Oh, I'm... It's interesting. Mm. Cool. <sighs> yeah. It's about it's just about everyone coming together, forgiving, learning to love. You don't we don't have to be the same. We can like be different, 
but live together harmlessly. Okay. I think that's... and a cool kind of god war in between. Yeah, yeah, you got to have a bit of that. I think I think that's a of course. I think it's a good message to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Okay. Any more questions, Sean, or do you think we should move on to Drew? Uh, I think let's hear Drew's and then I might have some go-backs depending. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, Drew, Hello what there. is your title of your movie? Uh, mine is uh, Avatar A was Arrow. Nice. And, and what is your blurb? So, ten years after the banishment of the RDA colony at Hell's Gate, Jake and Natiri have a son... And there the, the, there are similarities in this one. It's it's interesting. <laughs> um, and Jake has taken on an ambassadorial role with the humans who have begun to colonise other planets in the system, uh, with Jake hoping to be able to help humans learn from the Na'vi. When the Na'vi from several other clans begin to go missing, Jake and Teary must race to find the answer before they are destroyed by forces from all sides. Oh, okay, go for it. So we open on a big, like, exciting hunting sequence, like uh, a large scale. It's an annual migration of uh, a particular creature that the Amatakaya use parts of in ceremonial practices. And there's a young Navi named Thomas who's injured. Thomas, injured towards the end of the hunt, he goes for a target that's too big. <laughs> Um, and he's saved by Natiri, who we find out is his mother, and she chides him to know his limits and to walk before he runs. And like you, you get the impression through the dialogue he's trying to live up to the sort of legend that is his father. Um, when they talk about Jake, we it, it's mentioned that he's meeting with the humans. So he's back at Hell's Gate, which the Navi have allowed to be recolonized in the intervening years. Jake is entirely devoted to the Navi but he does still have a connection to humanity and he wants to he wants them to work with the Navi in the hopes that sharing knowledge and resources can help both species um, <clears throat> he's in the process of working out how unobtainium could be mined in a less invasive way and his contact Joanne I would love uh, for Joanne to be played by Gugumbatha Raw from um, uh, from uh, yeah it is Loki <laughs> because um, I think she's fab. And um, we learn that the humans have begun to colonise other planets in the system. There's tension with the other Na'vi clans who don't believe that the humans ever should have been allowed to return. At the And, and Joanne and Jake have a good rapport. And at the end of the meeting, Joanne gives Jake like a, a computer, a piece of technology, saying it should do what they agreed on. Jake thanks her and he leaves. And as the meeting ends, we see an underling in the background send a message to an unknown person updating them on where Jake is and what he's doing. So Jake goes to the Tree of Souls and Natiri comes to meet him. They discuss Thomas, who is named for Jake's late brother, and how hard he's trying to live up to being Jake's son. And while this is happening, Jake's setting up the equipment. Natiri's like, oh, is this it? And Jake tells her, yeah. Uh, he plugs the machine into one of the roots of the trees and turns it on because they're trying to find uh, Dr. Augustine. They're trying to find Sigourney Weaver's consciousness and hoping that it's in there. And they feel like they get a flicker of it, but it fails. Uh, Jake and Atiri return to Home Tree, and they find Thomas and their friend Katara in a, a heated conversation with emissaries from other tribes. And we discover young Navi have been going missing from the other tribes, but not from Jake and Atiri's, and they therefore believe that Jake must be involved. And there's a... a a huge once-in-a-generation, like, global storm 
which is coming and they see it as a kind of portent of Awa's distress at humans being there and Jake the interloper causing problems. Jake tries to defuse the situation, but actually Natiri steps in and calms everything down. She's such a good hunter and good tracker. She agrees to go and help look for the children and Jake will go back to see the humans and see what he can find out. And Katara says he'll go with him. And despite being told to stay put, Tomas decides to follow his father because he wants to be useful and to prove himself. And from here, the plot develops sort of in parallel. So these things are kind of intercut between each other. Natiri and the parents of the other missing kids are going on this huge quest looking for clues like surviving in nature, tr finding safe areas in the in the storm. And Jake and Katara go to Hell's Gate and the storm hits and they get inside and Thomas sneaks in after them. And Joanne says she'll help investigate with her team and they find some shady information. So they go and investigate and they find this secret area and discover Giovanni Rabisi is there playing Parker Selfridge again. What? <laughs> um they discover Selfridge has been abducting the young Na'vi and dissecting them to study their physiology, um, specifically their stem cells that are related to the additional organs that the Na'vi have that help them um, process the atmosphere and give them extra oxygen in their bloodstream and various other things, which is all available on Wikipedia. This is this is established <laughs> law. Um, <laughs> they They want that because they want to find a way to adapt humans to live on Pandora without needing rebreathers because they are planning on just taking over the planet but they they have to do it carefully and they also know that people won't accept living on a planet where they have to have rebreathers so they they want to do that and he has a big speech about progress always wins and backward cultures will always lose and Jake helps Joanne escape but then Katara stops him and kind of beats him down and makes a bargain with Selfridge because he wants status in this new world. He he can't see the Na'vi being able to win. And so he agrees to leave and tell the clan that Jake betrayed them and it's Jake's fault that the kids have been disappearing. It wasn't the humans. Um, Thomas finds Joanne. You have a really tense cat and mouse escape sequence through the facility. They're kind of going out into the storm and Joanne doesn't have a breather. So Thomas is having to help her and they're sneaking back inside and blah, 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 blah. Um, meanwhile, Naitiri and co find clues that it was the humans taking the kids. The others turn on Naitiri in sort of fear and anger because they, if it was the humans, they think it was Jake. She gets attacked, she gets injured, but she escapes and the others go back to their clans to bring everyone together to wipe out the humans and find Jake and and kill him. So Naitiri races through the compound, uh, races to the compound through the storm, and she finds Thomas and Joanne. Learning the situation, they need help, but everyone is against them. So they go to the Tree of Souls, and Joanne helps Naitiri get the machine working, and they speak to Grace. And Grace has been absorbed into the Tree of Souls and is kind of one with... Awa, and so she helps Natiri connect with Awa. Effectively, she connects with the entire planet, and she becomes this mythical, mythical figure, Awa's arrow, who was destined to become one with all of Pandora. And you see Thomas be like, whoa, actually, my mum's super cool. Not just my dad. Whoa, misogyny's bad. Yeah. Um, and so all the clans are descending for this big fight. And Neytiri controls the storm like she's making the trees move and changing air currents to get them a safe way through. Um, 
they get to the compound as the battle begins they make their way to Jake and Selfridge and Thomas Joanne and her her good humans subdue Selfridge and free, free Jake before he's killed um, Selfridge says this was basically all part of his plan anyway they've got the research they needed and now the humans can say that the Na'vi broke the, the no war treaty and that gives humans the excuse to come back and take the planet for themselves Jake, Thomas, Joanne and her team escape into the storm as the Na'vi uh, are wiping out the humans and the the process of def of defending them weakens Natiri. the others arrive and Jake fights everyone off long enough for all of them to escape Katara unites all of the tribes with a vow to hunt down Jake, Natiri, Thomas and, and the humans they escaped with and we end with the fugitives disappearing into the wilderness of Pandora hoping to find a way to keep the last humans alive clear their names and make Pandora ready for the human invasion that will be coming in one of the three subsequent movies very good thank you Drew Sean, do you have any questions? Well, I'll I'll be given the same question, uh, Drew. <laughs> who's singing the theme song? Um, I think uh, going with the environmental angle, I think we should get Bob Geldof. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Mondays. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> it's okay. The, you were talking about like the the sun. Thomas, and saw that connection. So it, you're saying there's like sort of like a more love for Jake at the start, and then the sort of less towards Natiri, which is an interesting yeah. angle, I think. It it yeah, it's I initially it was just that he was trying to live up to both of his parents, and then I was like, actually no, it's a much more interesting journey for Natiri to. Not that it's her driving force in the narrative, but that through her actions, she shows her son that she's pretty cool as well. <laughs> and and Jake, I, like I basically didn't want it to be Jake's story only. I wanted Natiri to have something big and important to do, and that just felt like a good, uh, a nice point of tension that's not super melodramatic and like the kid hating his hating his mum because Jake's amazing but it's still something that it, it, it would just give it a bit of tension and a nice bit of catharsis at the end and you also said you wanted obviously you're gonna Giovanni Ribisi back you know always great to have him back <laughs> now <laughs> you're saying about d dissection and things like that that's, mm. that seems pretty graphic do you reckon that's that's fitting into to a, to a 12a it it they won't be showing that on screen like you like there might be some <laughs> some body bags in the background <laughs> but it's yeah the the fact that the the kids that they abducted have have ended up dead would be heavily implied in the dialogue but hopefully in such a way that it like they they don't say yeah we murdered those children <laughs> like the adults yes. in the audience understand the implications but the kids are just like oh well because that's a dark storyline it's yeah i kind of i really struggled with this because i was like oh, i don't i don't want it to entirely be humans bad and they're coming back but also it does kind of need to be that 
as well. Um, and it, I, I was constantly reminded of a, a, a line that I love in Terry Pratchett, uh, where he says it's something akin to just because a person belongs to a, a, a an oppressed minority, it doesn't mean that they can't necessarily be a small-minded bastard. And so I, I wanted to have, uh, I, I wanted to have uh, Navi in there who weren't paragons of virtue and who were corruptible so that you can start to see sort of layers and conflict within them as well. Hmm. I, I think it's interesting both of you have that sort of angle of there being like another Navi tribe or in Andy's case a whole new new group yeah. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. interesting um, and you both had like a, a sort of a, a leader of those groups as well. Um, I'm curious who you both had in mind for those leaders. I Andy, let's go with you okay. first. I don't know because I'm trying to think of like a, a just a good actor because obviously he's going to have the mocap on and stuff, and his face is going to be not recognisable. Um, probably. <laughs> I wanted to st- uh, Stallone just because we have Arnie in, but uh, no, that's not that's <laughs> Stallone speaking Navi is the yeah, funniest thing I can imagine. Amazing, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, oh, I'm trying to think of. I don't know. It'd be like a youngish thirty-year-old actor. Um, I'm only kind of drawing a blank now. Of anyone good? Um, You're thinking someone a bit younger than uh, than Sam Worthington, yeah? Oh god, yeah, he's like fifty probably about now. So. <laughs> he's like he's in his practically 40s. dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's in his forties at most. <laughs> um, still old. Still I, old. While Andy deliberates, <laughs> I would. I think I'd go for Chiwetel Ejiofor, but when when he speaks in English, he's got the American accent from from Jake, not British. I don't want. I'm. I love having British actors. I don't want the baddies to have British accents because I'm so fed <laughs> up of that. Yeah, fair. Mm. All right, Andy, do you have anyone in mind, or do you, are you going to stick with Slice alone? Oh yeah, now I can't get him out my head. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, good. Sean, any more questions? I'm trying to think. Um, it's all right. You don't yeah. need to. Do it. Uh, the, these guys can argue it out. Yeah, don't come worry. on. I want to. I want to. I want to hear some some <laughs> arguments. Go on then. All right. Okay. So Drew is slowly creeping up to child murder in his pictures <laughs> and bringing. <laughs> One day I will convert him to child murdering <laughs> pitches. Um, so it's time for Andy and Drew to argue it out, to win over Sean's affection, to win picture of this episode and the sequel that we desire out of <laughs> Avatar. Um, so go ahead, Andy and Drew, whoever wants to go first. All right. Go on, do you want okay, yeah, I will. Um, first mm-hmm. off, you you named the child kid. You didn't <laughs> give the child a name. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's K Y D. Brilliant. 
fantastic. <laughs> I love it. With a, si- with like a silent nice. B on the end. No, K-I-D-B. Yeah, but the B's silent. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Kratos in God of War with a trace. It just calls him boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of... I. I I there there are similarities. It's it's really interesting to me how mm. similar things came out between ours, honestly. But I I yeah. feel like making Awa and Neve actual like beings with consciousnesses who have kind of psychometric representations of themselves is is a step too far into the supernatural for me. I like that I they I I I took it from the first movie that Awa is nature rather than mm. being an actual physical god. I think it's an interesting step but I'm not a huge fan of that. Um mm. the only other two things you asked me not to hold it against you that you don't know why General Thomas killed uh, Jake's brother I will hold it against you. Um <laughs> we we need we need well, to know. Is, I wanted okay so how did this avatar program become? How did it just be like? Was it exposition in the fucking first bit of the three-hour movie? Then I can't remember. Yes, like, how did they get? Pretty, was it, pretty did much. Did they get yes. funding from like the government? Okay, like because I was a bit like, well, he would have had something like a similar avatar program that would have got beaten out, and he was planning to sabotage Grace's, so the government would have had to use his, and um, the brother would have seen it. No, known he was going to sabotage and then get killed that way, and then it was all going to be a big cover-up. But okay. I was honestly a bit like, I just don't know where the, this program, the program comes from. No, that's I, like considering mm. that you just came up with that <laughs> right now. This second, that's fine. I'm yeah, okay with that. Legit. I didn't actually. To be fair, no. To be perfectly honest, it was on an earlier pitch. And with the uh, with the with the gods, like uh, I, I get what you mean. Like giving them like I like the I, the genders I gave them in my pitch. I just want to say just. They're, they're not supposed to be like a boy or a girl. It was just for reading purposes, I guess. Um, and they, yeah, I'm going to say that like, I'm, yeah, they're not going to be bodies, basically. It, like when he, when uh, uh, Jake sees him in like the, the vision, it could just be a voice or something. It's not going to be a body. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, I say like, I am, I'm trying to give them more life. They were uh, gods of some sort. Yeah. Rather than just like. And they're just like nature. Who voices them then? I have curiosity. I'd, I'd love to like see who, yeah, has the voice to embody those two roles. Um, I'm gonna have Benedict Cumberbatch mm-hmm. and Slice the Lion. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Because I watched that movie yeah. recently, and I was a bit like, actually, like they've got pretty good voices. So. Um, Fair. Nice. The um the last thing is I will just make a pithy comment of the the resolution of this film is the power was friendship all along. Yeah. <laughs> what better what better moral and lesson do you need? That's a great lesson to have. Yours is don't kidnap kids. Well, we know that already. <laughs> we don't need that lesson. That's I've got fair. a good Go moral, I've got dude. everything. Yeah, you don't need a mine is you, yeah, it doesn't matter what you look like, who you believe, but everyone everyone can just love each other. But but kill the humans because they're the bad guys. So fair, Andy. What's your retort to Drews? Um, I so say yeah, it's 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 surprising how similar we we felt it. I uh, it Drews is like obviously like the first draft, and mine's like the final polished piece. Obviously, he's already. It's just a bit dark. I was like, mine mine's just got more 
chances to see Pandora, and this is just more like a what? what uh, when Nateri and company are trekking through the wilds of Pandora in a giant planet-sized storm, and and yeah. being hunted and fighting nature. All right, listen, my connection might come out in and out between this episode, right? I might not hear a lot of things. <laughs> I just feel mine Mine is, is yeah, it, 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 it'll be a better experience. It's got better morals, better lessons, um, more action. It's got some fucking God Wars in there. It's going to be James Cameron's fucking cream wet dream. <laughs> cream wet dream. Wow. Uh, okay, well... If that's the, if you've got nothing to retort to, Drew, if you want to, I, I think, I think that what Andy came out with is its own retort, personally. <laughs> All right. So, Sean, who are you going to go for? Who is going to be this week? Well, this episode's winner of the title of uh, Avatar Two. Um, is it going to be Drew's sequel about stuff? <laughs> <laughs> or is it is your gonna... internet connection all right, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> or is it going to be Andy's pitch about stuff? Um, they're, very, they're quite similar. Um, on, uh, but yes, you have the power to decide who is the, this episode's winner. Now, Drew, this comes with a caveat, but we reduce the child murder down a bit, please. Oh, okay. But I will, <laughs> I will choose yours, Drew, as long as the child murder is kept to a lower level. Okay, all right. I don't think Jim's gonna like it. We can, we, we can, we can say that Jake, that the kids, like only like one or two, instead of like what? Is that like twenty odd? <laughs> yeah, it was gonna be at least like ten or fifteen, but that's I mean, yeah, too I, many. I, yeah, one or two. Say- it's a good thing Ross didn't pitch that because yeah, he'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm killing every kid on screen. <laughs> I'd give up winning the episode. Yeah. Kill every kid. Make an 18 plus. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. Drew is this episode's winner. Yay. Andy, commiserations. Well done. You did Boom. pitch a good movie. Um, uh, Andy's going to use his connection issues as his uh, as his excuse for not winning this week. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't read half my pitch because it was blurry because my connection. So. <laughs> um, but there we go. There you go. Uh, Drew. Yes. Well done. Thank you. Back with a vengeance. <laughs> He's back again with his winning pitch. Okay. Uh, Drew. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do next episode? Well, we're properly getting into the Christmassy spirit of it all now. Because, and it's funny that we've mentioned Arnie and Turbo Man, because we are doing Jingle All The Way. Classic Arnie family Christmas movie. Yeah. Another chance to bring back Stallone in mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to expand the Ross CU in this. Oh, yes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, Cool. So we are doing Jingle All The Way. Um, next episode to get in the spirit of Christmas. Cool. Andy, well done. Drew, congratulations on winning. Thank you very much. That is it for this episode. You can find us on all socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anything that has our name in it. You can find us, I'm sure. 
Um, tell us if you think Drew should have won, or well, if you think he should have won, or if you think Andy should have won with his bitch. Um, also, we have a patron. Yay! If you would like Ooh. to join our patron, then head on down to our patron sequel pitch forward forward slash sequel pitch or backward slash. I think it's forward slash. <laughs> it is forward, a forward slash, slash sequel pitch. <laughs> yeah, forward slash. Uh, and you, my friends, listening right now in whichever country that you're listening in, could become a pitch pal. Yeah, that's right. You could have your name Ooh. on our episodes and be a pitch pal. Pitch pal, pitch pal, yeah. <laughs> okay, Sean, where could people find you on socials? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> the best place and to find yeah. me uh, is doing my Avatar podcast, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, the be- it's on Twitter, at AvatarPod. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that you can find from there, and I'm doing not only the podcast, but doing some YouTube videos as well. I did one which was about 9-11 and James Cameron. Wow. Nice. <laughs> nice. I went off on, you know, a nice light-hearted foot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. So yeah, yeah, give give Sean's podcast a listen, please, audience. We love our podcast community. We like to be on other people's podcasts. We like them to come on ours. And we like to create a family of podcasters. Yeah. And we'll where which have uh, go we'll, we'll have links to all of everywhere you can find Sean in the show notes. Yeah. All right. And with that, it's goodbye from Andy. Fun of, I can't believe they called it unobtainium. I mean, come on. <laughs> Did you not just laugh when they were like, it's unobtainium? No, go back and think of anything else. <laughs> it's a real uh, thing. It, it was so clearly the placeholder name that they put in. And they were like, yeah, oh, just leave yeah. it. Just leave it. It's fine. Just leave it. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from... Sean. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from this week's winner, Drew Toynbee. Goodbye, everybody. And, yeah, bye. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm good at hosting. (laughs) Bye. Bye.